Amen and amen. You look so lovely today. Give yourself a hand clap of praise. We thank the praise team for ushering in the Holy Spirit. And I know you brought it here with you. And I'm going to ask you to do this for me. You know, you might say he's a needy pastor. Yes, that's right. I'm needy. I need you. I need your prayers. Preaching is call and response. I can't do this by myself. I, I have a helper called the Holy Spirit. But I need some response from you that if the preacher says something that hits you and you agree with, me, with him, would you show some sign by saying amen, hand clap, something? Don't sit there like a, like a, <laughs> see y'all already know. You, you read the same books I read. You've been in the same church that I've been in. But look, we got to preach, we got to preach, we got to move. The spirit is moving. Anybody need a word this morning? This one is going to bless you. I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, main my composure, contain my composure and give you what God has given me. But if I shout and I forget my words, I've already given you a prelim that it might just go down just like that. So if I don't close it out, <laughs> I'm going to give you the text and you close it out for yourself. Can we do that? All right, let's, let's get into the word. Please stand now for the reading of God's word. Today's uh, scripture is coming from Judges chapter 6. Last week, uh, we, we were in this chapter or in this book, the eighth cha seventh chapter, and I preached against all odds. You remember that one? Against all odds. And good morning to those watching us via internet, social media, YouTube, Facebook. We appreciate you for joining us in this time of fellowship and praise and worship. Last week we talked about against all odds coming from the seventh chapter of the book of Judges, and God said they didn't get the, the prelim. They didn't get the prelim of, of what the story was. You just gave them a little context. Remember I told you that in order for you to understand the text, you need to understand the context. So God says, go back and give them the backdrop, per se, if it was a play or the setting, and this is gonna bless you. There's so much preaching in this text that I could probably hang out here five or six, you know, weeks and give you a series. We're just going to see what God has to say for you today. Is that all right with everybody? All right, so Judges chapter 6, I see you standing patiently. You have your Bibles, your smartphones, your, your apps. It all reads the same, everybody. Don't be hating those that have their phones. It's still the word. Amen? Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 16 calls our attention. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16, when you have to say amen. Let's read together. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, and pertained unto Joash the Abyssalite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat, by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. I could hang out there all day. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, 
if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Check out how God responds. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt spite the Midianites as one man. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This one's going to make you shout. From the title, and you're going to see why. I want you to declare this to yourself as you're sitting there in your seat. Won't he do it? I I caught you off guard. I caught you off guard. You weren't ready. So now that I've given you the title and you declared it, this is for the folks that didn't get it the first time. So I'm going to say it one more time. Won't he do it? Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Won't he do it? In order for you to understand the title, I've got to give you a quick little, um, anybody want Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah, those that's laughing, y'all remember? You're probably my age. Schoolhouse Rock was a Saturday morning show that came on uh, in between cartoons, and they would give you like the word of the day. One of the words of the day would be like, um, Conjunction, right? Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Conjunctions are words that join sentences together like and and or and but. So in order for you to understand this title this morning, I got to give you a quick little word study because this really, uh, it, it educated me because when I thought about the title and I thought about the song, there's a young lady by the name of Karen Hawthorne um, that sings this song it was actually from the theme, um, it was a television series that came on, Greenleaf, and it was from the Greenleaf soundtrack, and, and track number nine from season two on there was this song by Karen Hawthorne. And in that song, it talks about won't he do it, right? So when you look at the word want, it's spelled like this, W-O-N-T, write that down, W-O-N-T, and not W-O-N apostrophe T. You got it? Because if I say, won't he do it with an apostrophe T, that negates what I'm saying, which means I will not do it. I'm going somewhere with it, but when you say W-O-N-T, the definition of that is a custom, habitual, a lifestyle. A custom, habitual, a lifestyle, and this is the one that I like, habits. God is in the habit of, won't he do it? Come on, somebody, won't he do it? The Urban Dictionary 
says it like this. Won't he do it is when the grill master Mike Evans shows up in your Facebook timeline unexpectedly without warning you or notice, but with a whole lot of smoke. Smoke brisket, smoke ribs, and smoke pork butt. Gently reminding you that he is about to bless folks with his barbecue. Yo, Big Mike was on live again with that smoke saying, won't he do it? Now, if Big Mike can drop in on your Facebook timeline and bless you with some barbecue, we serve a God that's mighty, mightier than Big Mike. So let me ask you again, won't he do it? Let's look at the text. When we look at the text, Judges chapter 6, the backdrop is the Amalekites and the Midianites, they are causing havoc on the people of God, Israel. Now, when I say causing havoc, when you read the text, it says that they came in on camels and they looked like grasshoppers and literally they destroyed their crops, their agriculture. They even, uh, they, were, they were so um, crude and rude and, and just foul that they would kidnap the women and the children and do all kinds of inhuman things to them just to flex their muscles so that their enemies will be afraid of them. That is what's taking place. And then we see our main character today is Gideon. Gideon was a farmer, and he was from the, the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh was one of the least tribes. And here we have Gideon, I want you to see this, Gideon in a land of famine, livestock, no livestock. He's hiding from his enemies in a wine press. And the text in verse 11 says, he's sifting wheat. Rewind. Let me say that again. He's in a land of famine. There is no livestock. Gideon is hiding out in a, in a wine press. This is a place where you crush grapes and make wine. But did you catch what I said? It's a famine, but Gideon is sifting wheat. Won't he do it? You, you're not feeling what I'm saying, so let, let, me, let me walk you through. Let me walk you through. So in the midst of everything that's going on, all of your haters, they came up against you. The Amalekites, the Midianites, and the favor of God was still on you in spite of your enemies. Isn't it interesting that the people that hate you, they'll come together in, unis, in unity to rise up against you? But God says, you favored. You are Gideon. In the midst of the famine, I'm going to give you some wheat. He's sifting wheat. And when you look at it, when you, when you sift wheat, I can see my grandmother. Uh, she had this little contraction. It looked like a cup. And it had a handle on it. And she would pour the flour or the wheat into it. And she would crank it. And it would get rid of all of the derivatives so she wouldn't cook that mess. Right? So here we have Gideon. He's sifting wheat. He's, I, I can just imagine. I can see him throwing the wheat up. And getting, getting the shaft. Uh, uh, releasing the wheat in the air. And as he releases the wheat in the air, 
it is separating the chaff from the wheat. We're going to hang out there for a minute. Because this morning God said, I got to separate you from some stuff. You've been hanging around people that are Amalekites and Midianites. I got to separate you. I got to put you in the wheat press. I got to get some of, that, some of that junk out of you. Some of that sin that's in you. I got to sift you. But then we see Gideon. Gideon, is, he's sitting here, and he's, he's, he's in his own little world. He's hiding from his enemies, but then I like how the, how the text says. It says that God sends him an angel. There's two things I want you to get from that. God will send you a messenger. Sometimes it'll be a prophet. Sometimes it'll be an angel. And don't, don't confuse an angel with just a celestial being. It could be in a word, it could be in a song, it could be in a person, it could be in the, the elements, it could be the change of seasons. Did anybody get the memo about the change of seasons that was taking place on Friday? That was a sign from God that it's a change of seasons. You have to go in your closet, pull out your, wool, your winter clothes because you had adjusted to the spring and the summer. But God says, my time is not your time. So we find this angel sent from heaven to give a rhema word to the prophet who doesn't even know he's a prophet by the name of Gideon. Let's walk through the text. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. God will send you a helper when you think you're all alone. God will send you a helper when you think you're all alone. Let me prove my point. Jesus, he's crucified, he's resurrected, and then he comes back and he tells his disciples to meet him in the city and he says that I'm going to meet you there. And he gives them these words. He said, I will never leave you comfortless. I will leave you a comforter in the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, God will send you a helper. That helper is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit walks with you, talks with you, goes where you go. He knows your thoughts. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He walks with you and he talks with me and he, and he tells you that what? You're his own. That was, that's what the Holy Spirit does. So when you think you're in this all by yourself, just remind yourself about this text that God has sent you a helper called the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, and Gideon said unto him, now check out this. God sends him a helper and Gideon, he doesn't hear what the helper says. Look at Gideon's response. And Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, let's park right there. In your Bible, look at that word Lord. Is it in all capital letters? Did you catch that? Lord is in all capital letters, which means that he is the self-existing one. I want you to get that. It's not lowercase L-O-R-D because we've made some lowercase L-O-R-Ds in our lives. Because remember, the reason why we're, he's going through this is because the children of Israel, they have abandoned God. He gives them the commandments. He gives them the statutes. 
and they disobeyed God's commandments and his statutes. And because of that, they find themselves now literally oppressed by their oppressors, the Midianites and the Amalekites. Isn't it funny that when you sin and I sin, that we point the proverbial finger back at God? And God says, I'm still God. I don't change. The reason why you're in the predicament that you're in is because of your sin. Hello, somebody. I know, I know, I know I said it was going to be a shouting sermon, but there's some conviction that's going to take place in this text as well. Look at the text. And Gideon said unto, him, said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if thou be with us, why then is all this befallen on us? He's murmuring, he's griping, and he's complaining. Do you remember his descendants? The children of Israel, this is literally three generations later, three generations later, and they're still doing the same thing, murmuring, griping, and complaining. You remember the children of Israel when they went into the wilderness? They said, God, at least when we were in Egypt, we had grapes, we had food that we could eat, we worked like slaves, but at least we could eat. So God says, no problem. I'll give you manna from heaven. What did they do? We got to eat this every day. Same old manna. Murmuring, griping, and complaining. And this goes on for 40 years. And God says, because of your murmuring, your griping, and your complaining, you don't even get to go into the promised land. So now we have this three generations later, they're doing the same thing. Murmuring, griping, and complaining about what is going on. And it is because of their own sin is the reason why they're in this predicament. God says, I give you free will. You get to choose this day who you're going to serve. They decided to serve the false gods of Baal. And, it's, and because of that, God says, I will have no other gods before me. Remember I told you last week, Exodus 2, or Exodus 17, uh, verses 2 through 20, I think is the text that gives you the Ten Commandments. So he says, I will have no other gods before me. And it's because of them serving these idle gods that they find themselves now oppressed by their oppressors. Question to you today. When you look in the mirror and you see the situations and the circumstances that you're in, is it because of God or is it because of you? Hmm. Is it because of God or is it because of you? Because sin has consequences. Uh, when we sin, you think you've gotten away with it, but it will come back. So when we look at the situation today, Gideon finds himself in a predicament, hiding from his enemies because of the sin and because of their disobedience to God. And he goes on and says, and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He's having amnesia. He's having amnesia because for the simple fact, God was still bringing them up out of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. But is it because of their sin and because of their disobedience to God is the reason why 
they're in the situation that they're in. I came to pronounce to you this morning that even though you've done some things that you're not proud of and you said some things to people that you didn't really mean and you can't take those words back, God says that my grace and my mercy are brand new each and every day. Let me say it one more time. His grace and his mercies are brand new every day. That means that he wipes your slate clean, he casts it into the sea of forgiveness, and he gives you a new start for a new day. How do I know that? Remember what the title was? Won't he do it? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe y'all forgot what the title was. Let's declare to yourself again, what is the title? Won't he do it? Let me prove it to you. In the midst of everything that's going on right now, stock market, down. Standard and Poor's, down. NASDAQ, down. But God says, my grace and my mercy are brand new each and every day. Did I tell you that the word grace means favor? Won't he do it? In the midst of the stock market, the S&P, and the NASDAQ, and Bitcoin, and crypto all going down, God says, I favored you. That while everybody else was sweating, watching the market, he said, if I did it for you before, won't I do it again? While everybody else's stock was going down and they were jumping off of buildings, you remember Black Monday? They lost their mind. God says, because of the favor that's on your life, you're going to be like getting and sifting wheat in the time of a drought. You're going to be buying stock. You're going to be buying crypto because you realize that when you buy low, you invest for the future. God knows the plans that he has for you. Let me, let me break it down to you like this. Um, my grandmother and my mother, they, they knew how to scratch meals. Anybody know what that means? Anybody have to scratch a meal? You had just a, a, a little bit of meat, but rice and gravy go a long way. Won't he do it? You didn't go to bed hungry? God is stretching you in this time of drought to let you know his favor is on your life. Oh, that, that's a hand clap of praise right there. I said the favor of God is on your life right now. People trying to figure out what to do, they're going to be coming to you and saying, how did you buy a house in the midst of the interest rates going up? How did you invest when everybody else was trying to save? How is it that when the doctor gave you a bad report, you said, wait a minute, the God that I serve says that he was wounded for my transgressions, he was bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace was upon you, and it is with his stripes we declare healing in the name of Jesus. Won't he do it? Come on, somebody. Let's get back to the text. So here he is. He's sifting wheat in the midst of his enemies. God gives him favor. And then he says, and the Lord, all capital letters, self-existent one, looked upon him and said, <laughs> won't God check you? While you moaning and weeping and crying and griping and complaining, 
God said, I don't care nothing about all that. Look how God checks him. He says, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Literally what takes place here, God looks him in the face. He's staring him down like, I don't want to hear all of that. Won't God check you when you moaning, griping and complaining? I don't want to hear all of that. I gave you an order. I gave you a command. Listen to the command. And the Lord looked upon him and said, here's the command. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Does your Bible have a question mark at the end of that sentence? Has God sent you to do some work? And you was like Gideon saying, Lord, I'm a farmer. No, that's what you called yourself. I called you a mighty man of valor, remember? Okay, let me, let me give you a recap. Some cliff notes from last week. Remember Gideon's name? What does it mean? Warrior. He saw himself as a farmer. God saw him as a warrior. So he says, I want you to go because I have sent you. God will send you into your enemy's camp and take back what the devil stole from you. Say that one more time. If God sends you to do something, not only will he send you, but he will give you provision to accomplish that which he sent. So God tells Gideon to go, thy mighty man of valor. That's back in the previous chapter. He tells him that he's a mighty man of valor. And then he, he gives him this promise and tells him, Gideon responds, and he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Remember what happened before? It's a pattern that's taking place here. It's habitual. He's, he's murmuring, griping, and complaining. So here he goes again. I'm the least of these. God says, no, you're a mighty man of valor. I didn't ask you who you were. I'm telling you who you were. I created you. I knew you in your mother's womb. I knew who you were before you even came into existence. He's, he's reminding Gideon of who he is. And then he closes out in verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt spite the Midianites as one man. I gave you this title. I gave you the text. And then the title says, Won't he do it? God reminded us today that he's sovereign, that he's omnipotent, that he's omnipresent, that he's omniscient. He is God. Let me say that one more time. He is God. All capital letters, the text says, Lord, self-existing one. There's none before him. There's none after him. He already knows who your enemies are. He took care of your enemies when the battle started. Won't he do it? Won't he remind you that he hears your cry? When you cry out to God, he hears just like a mother hears her child. God says, I'm your daddy. I'm, I'm the shepherd, and the good shepherd hears his sheep, and they know his voice. Won't he do it? Won't God remind you of who 
and whose he is? He just told you that your favor, the favor of God is all over you. People trying to figure out how is it that you do what you do? I don't know. It's just the favor of God. Won't he do it? God lets us know that he will send you a prophet, an angel, to proclaim and to foretell. Won't he do it? He sent an angel to Gideon. He, sent a, he made Gideon a prophet that sent the word to the children of God to remind them that they were victorious. Won't he do it? He says, stop making excuses. Stop murmuring. Stop griping and stop complaining. If you sin, repent and keep on moving. Shake the dust off of your shoes. Shake the feathers off of your back. If you sin, confess, repent, and keep moving. Won't he do it? He looked upon him. He got in his face, and it was a command. He challenged Gideon, didn't I tell you? Go in confidence. Carry out my command. Walk with assurance. Hold your chest up and your head up. Be in charge. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid or scared. Won't he do it? And let me just close it out like this, reminding you that the same promise that God gave Gideon, God gave you the same promise. You go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a bad report, you find a lump, and you remind yourself that because of who God is, you lay hands on yourself, and you declare, won't he do it? He'll heal you in the midst of the sickness, in the midst of the report that you got from the doctor. Maybe you're going into the courtroom and you know the charges were stacked up against you, but I'm here to remind you that he said, I'll be a lawyer in the courtroom. He will defend you because he is, he, you are his own. Won't he do it? Let me remind you that this week, when you go on your job, you're sitting in the parking lot and you're thinking about all of the things that your co-workers have done to you and you begin to lift up holy hands and you begin to praise God and you begin to think of his goodness and his mercy and all that he's done to you and instead of you going off on somebody with those hands, you begin to lift holy hands and saying, God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I adore you. There's none like you in all the earth. I've looked high and I've looked low, and I still can't find nobody greater than you. Won't he do it? Well, maybe that's not you. Maybe you've got a child, and that child is on crack, they're on drugs, and they're like the prodigal son or daughter. And God says, release them to me, because you can't handle what I can handle. Release them to me. Maybe that's a word for you this morning. Your child is wayward. They've turned their back on God, but I love it because God never will turn his back on you. Because when you look at the prodigal son, the father never gives up on his son. The son comes back after he's gone out, he spent all of his money, he comes back and the father gives him the fatty calf and he gives him the coat to let him know I love you. And that's how your daddy is. He wants you to know that he loves you in spite of your sin, in spite of yourself. He come to remind you, won't he do it? And I hope that bless you this morning, that while you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, remind yourself, just like he did with Gideon, 
that he will send you a messenger. He will send you an angel. He will send you the comforter and the Holy Spirit to let you know you're not going through this by yourself. I've been right there with you. Through the thick and the thin, through the trials, through the tribulations, through the tests, I'm right there with you. I'm holding your hand. When you thought you were all alone, you felt that spirit rise up in you. And it was God letting you know, I'm right here with you. You don't have to walk by yourself. You've seen the, the, the picture of, of footsteps or footprints where, where God and, and Jesus is carrying the man on his back. That's how much he loves you, that he will carry the weight of the, the pressure that's on your shoulders. He will carry that weight for you to let you know you're not in this by yourself. I'm here with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? God is a mighty God. He changes not. He knows all about you. You may feel that you're disappointed in yourself. God comes back like a loving father. He wraps his arms around you, tells you he loves you, he cares for you, and he will never leave you alone. We close out this time of the preached word, and we pray that it's fallen on fertile ground and that God will speak to you and that God will use you in this time of trouble, the, the world is, is going in, in chaos, of killings, and just things that you would not even imagine. But when you read God's word, he lets you know nothing catches him by surprise. He's already predicted it in his word. Remind yourself this week that God is with you and that he will walk with you, he will talk with you, and he will remind you He'll do the impossible. Exceedingly and abundantly, above all you can ask or imagine or even think, God says, I'll be there with you. Won't he do it?